Welcome to another episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast, where we interview top sellers and sales leaders to learn the different tips, tricks, and mental strategies that they use to create sustainable peak performance. Let's get rolling. Welcome to today's episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. Today, we've got Jeff Lipsius, who's an award-winning author, internationally recognized sales trainer, and performance coach in Los Angeles. In the 1990s, he collaborated with Timothy Galway to apply inner game principles for his company's sales force. His company's sales actually skyrocketed, and he's got some really cool stats that he'll probably share with us after leveraging some principles around the inner game. Jeff and Tim have now teamed up to bring their inner game formula to sales leadership, to sales forces around the world. And they've seen these results go so far beyond just even sales numbers, but also to employees, well-being, and teaching them tactics that they can take everywhere throughout their lives. As all the listeners here know, I'm a huge proponent of the inner game, of the mindset piece that most of us haven't been trained on or gotten in school through our traditional education. So I'm really excited to dive in with Jeff and learn more about what he's seen, his experience over the years as a longtime meditation practitioner and somebody that's really been able to connect meditation and mindfulness to improving our performance as sellers. So Jeff, welcome on the show. Thanks, Jordan. It's great to be here. Very excited because uh, not many people around actually make the link between peak performance and mindfulness and mindset. So uh, that's what I'm about. And when I saw your podcast, I I was very excited to be on as a guest. So thank you very much. I am just so fascinated by the challenge that many of us have run into by not making that connection, seeing mindfulness as woo-woo for so many years, where now we actually start to see some science and data backing the power of mindfulness to actually help us perform, manage burnout, all these different things that are becoming really prominent in society today. So I'd love to hear your story a little bit. Tell our, our guests, how did you end up where you are today? Well, originally... I was a uh, aspiring t- tennis pro, trying to get the highest ranking possible, looking for whatever edge I could get. And I heard about this meditation practice where I would be able to do what's now known as walking meditation. I can practice, I can do the meditation techniques on the court in the middle of a match, and that excited me very much. So I started practicing meditation and. Uh, through the years, I didn't make it as a pro, and so got a real job as uh, first as a salesperson, and I worked my way up to the ranks as uh, sales trainer, sales manager, and eventually VP of sales for a large vitamin brand, which is where I met Tim Galway. And Tim Galway was really the leader in mindset for peak performance. And he started on the tennis court as a tennis teacher and wrote this book, which was a huge bestseller called The Inner Game of Tennis. It's still to this day the best-selling tennis book on the market. And I got together with Tim and said, hey, why don't we apply your inner game principles to sales performance? 
and we could use my sales force of over 100 salespeople as a laboratory. And he thought that was a great idea, and we got started. Sales increased for the company 10 times. And then I started working with Tim full time, and now we train sales forces for different clients together. Um, we have workshops, we, we do keynotes, uh, Zoom calls, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with sales, sales people and sales leaders on the inner game applying uh, mindset to peak performance. Well, for all of my listeners, they know that I have a huge smile on my face as I hear this <laughs> because this is the type of training most of us miss out on. And yeah. I'd be really curious to hear your perspective on why it's taken a while for this to really start gaining steam within the corporate sector. It's been in the business world for a long time, or excuse me, it's been in the professional sports world for a while, but hasn't translated to the business world until I think much more recently. And I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Well, there's a number of reasons. Primarily, I believe it's misunderstanding of the application of mindfulness for performance. Now, most people, when we talk about mindfulness, we think about uh, an awareness state where we're calm and uh, less anxious and in the moment. And it's really good for our health and it's good for our mental state, but will it get us to perform better? The answer is yes, but I think there's a misunderstanding how I, I hope I have an opportunity to cover that in this podcast. The other thing is peak performance is counterintuitive in that by very definition, you're performing beyond expectations. So if you have expectations, <laughs> by definition, you won't achieve the peak performance. So you can't to perform. And this is where ego comes in because people in the selling profession wanna be able to say, Oh, I was responsible for the success. I really tried. I got what I tried for. Well, if you try for it, you're not going to have peak performance. Now, we have tools and, and exercises and principles to help uh, salespeople get away from that uh, ego-driven block to their peak performance. But to answer your question, these are the two main reasons, I believe, why uh, mindfulness hasn't been applied so much yet to peak performance in a successful way. Yeah. I think that connection between that performance, this concept of slowing down to speed up, it is still very counterintuitive, especially in our technological driven society that is always on go, 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 go. It's, it's very challenging for people to think about, well, how can I, slow down in the moment or be more present. And so talk to me a little bit about how do you maintain mental health? You, you mentioned this walking meditation practice that, that you built uh, as a tennis player. Talk to me a little bit more about how, how do you maintain that mental health and how do you 
find organizations and sales leaders and individuals can do this for themselves as well? It, it, it's a matter of really having a commitment to uh, the internal world, uh, our internal environment, and the understanding that uh, how we get to know ourselves on the inside, our, our inner self-awareness, is really the driver to our performance and to how we externally appear in the outside world. And a perfect example of that recently was Simone Biles in the Olympics, where her internal environment, it, she could tell it just wasn't right. And it was going to affect her performance. Now, some of the moves she makes actually are potentially very dangerous if they're not done correctly. So she could tell she wasn't in that zone that she needs to be in. And and wisely pull it out. And th this is what I'm talking about. Um, we really need to value that internal environment. And uh, we have ways to help salespeople get you know, more in touch with that, but it's very counterintuitive. Okay, now here's, here's the counterintuitive part. The inner game is really the outer game. And the outer game is really the inner game. And people that don't understand this won't be able to successfully apply mindfulness for peak performance. And here's what I mean. If you're coaching a tennis player who happens to have a lot of self-doubt, especially when the ball comes to their back end, and one of the things Timothy Gow might, might say to this tennis player is, why don't we just start by really watching the ball? As a matter of fact, watch the seams of the ball as they're rolling and just describe the speed of the seams as they're rolling. And that's going to get the tennis player focused on where the ball is in relation to the racket, very important awareness for tennis playing. But it's also going to get their mind off of their self-doubt. But here's the thing. The seams of the tennis ball is outer, not inner. If Tim said, I want you to be more confident, uh, your self-doubt is getting in your way. Okay, that would be inner, but it wouldn't help. And here's why. The tennis player would start thinking about how much thinking they're doing and start judging their self-doubt, and they never got out of the judgmental mental state. So how can we apply that to selling? For salespeople, what's the ball? Well, the ball is the customer. And what's the seams of the ball? The seams of the ball, their decision process. So with the salesperson really, by watching the seams of the ball, 
is not focused on their own selling performance. The salesperson is going to be focused on the customer's buying performance. And this, uh, counterintuitively, uh, ironically, will put the salesperson in the mindful state because now they're aware in the present moment of exactly what's taking place in a non-judgmental way because they're not in control of what the customer says and does. They, it's just not something for them to judge. If they're focused on their own performance, they could be very judgmental. But reframe the salesperson's awareness to the customer's mindset instead of their own mindset. And you have a mindful salesperson. Wow. That's a really fascinating thought around how do we start focusing on the buyer's experience? I even sit here interviewing on a podcast, thinking about my personal performance and what I'm working on versus how do I start to have that focus on your own experience? How do we set the stage for you to show up at your best? And it's very fascinating how that changes my own internal feelings, uh, the tension I may or may not feel, and the judgment I may have, and can see that totally in my sales process as I go through it every single day. Yes. What are some of the areas that sellers really struggle with when implementing this or, or first starting out? When implementing this, um, you know, it's always about trying, you know, trying to do the right thing and wanting to uh, be in control of what happens. And since the goal of selling is buying, since the salesperson's uh, productivity numbers are really measuring the customer's buying performance, not the salesperson's selling performance. Salespeople can't control the customer's thinking, the customer's decision process. They don't even know what's going on between their customer's ears. You know, the gears are turning in that customer decision process. So when salespeople you try to control the outcome or take responsibility for the outcome, that's really stressful to try to control something you can't control. The customer has the control, okay? A salesperson doesn't get a sale unless the customer decides that salesperson is gonna get the sale, okay? Now let's reframe it in a mindful way. What can the salesperson control? Well, the salesperson can control what they learn from the interaction. And getting back to watching the seams of the ball, getting back to the salesperson's level of customer awareness, what's the value of gaining customer awareness? Is learning. So as the, the salesperson assumes the role of the learner rather than the teacher, they can't lose because you could always learn from every situation. 
it's right, we're back into that non-judgmental selling space again. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. Uh, we were mentioning that yeah, I have a book. And the main insight that I got that inspired me to write this book, it came from a sale that I lost. And what happened is I um, convinced my manager to give me a really low price on a particular product. And I got in touch with this customer who happened to be an owner of a big chain, really was anxious to break into this chain as a salesperson. And when I quoted the low price, the, he hung up on me saying, you must use the cheapest raw materials. I don't want to talk to you. And I was just taken back like, my God, what I did in my thinking, low price means good value. But that's my thinking. In the customer's thinking, low price means pure, uh, poor quality. And we were speaking a different language. And once I realized, ah, my customer and I have two different languages. And that was the inspiration to write my book. So did I really lose because I lost that sale? No, I won. It was the genesis of an entire successful career as a sales trainer. So salespeople need to play the long game. And you do that by being the learner, not the teacher. We can control what we learn. And also salespeople control the definition of their role. And if the salesperson says, I am going to learn as much as I can from this interaction, you can't lose. And you're going to be more customer aware. And I guarantee that you, our salesperson, is going to have a better relationship with their customer without even trying to have a better relationship. Definitely. Oh, there is so much that I love out of that, hearing this thought of how do I move from the teacher, the closer, you know, the always be closing hard mentality that we're finally seeing evolve to But I like to think about how can I always be helping, but even taking that a step further to how can I be learning through this yeah. process to help me listen more effectively, mm-hmm. to use Daniel Pink's word to attune with my buyer mm-hmm. more, to really understand them and mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is a really fascinating reframe for me. And then to hear that the loss of this big sale that, again, from this, I need to close the deal, I need to focus on the outcome, is what brought so much insight for you to now produce the book, to create these trainings that really help sellers and teams perform better. And you've seen it in the results. Yes. It's so fascinating. And yes. I really, really love that. Yeah. I, I, I guess I would be curious, and I think this will tie into the learning, but I find most sellers, and one of the questions that I love to ask everybody is, 
you know, what do you do when you have that bad month or that bad quarter or you lose mm-hmm. that big deal? Maybe not everybody's going to go write a book uh, yet, uh, but how do you help coach maybe sales leaders to think about getting their team to bounce back after a poor, while we're still on our own sales performance mindset? How do you help folks think through that? Well, my suggestion, it's back to the same reframe. Instead of how much did I sell or not sell in that quarter, how much did I learn in that quarter? Okay, because uh, you might not have had a, a great quarter, but it might have made you a much better salesperson. And that's the inner component is is personal growth. It's really a great opportunity to be a salesperson because on the job, we can learn the heart of influencing people's decision-making in a positive way, both ourselves and we could apply it then to the people we care about. I mean, we live in an interconnected world. So the quality of the decisions that the people around us make have a very direct effect on us. And here as salespeople, you know, we get a chance to, to practice being aware of people's decision process and learning, and then apply it in our personal lives and also look at um, perhaps ways of, how we define our performance might not be serving us because this, this is how what you're talking about basically is uh, the beginning of a sales slump where a, a salesperson, here, here's what happens in a slump. Okay. That the first problem is that the, the salesperson tried to control this getting the sale. They took responsibility for what the customer did. If the customer buys, I'm great. If the customer doesn't buy, I'm trash. So right away, you have ego. And ego is a setup because inevitably, you're going to get a string of customers that won't buy for whatever reason. And a salesperson who's ego-based who's looking at uh, being self-conscious instead of customer conscious, will say, uh, maybe I'm not as great a salesperson as I think I am. Then the next step is they say, so I'm going to have to try harder. That's the trap. Because when you try, what's it feel like to the customer? It feels pushy. A salesperson who's trying harder, the customer feels that that salesperson is being pushy. And trying um, will sabotage the performance itself. If I'm trying to sleep, am I sleeping? (laughs) If (laughs) If I'm trying to learn something, am I learning it? You know? If I'm trying to pay attention, am I paying attention? If I'm trying to like you, or if I'm trying to get you to like me, and this is what salespeople do, I'm trying to get this customer to like me. Well, how does it feel if I say to you, I'm trying to get you to like me? It's horrible. (laughs) Feels pushy. 
Of course, but that's what salespeople do. So then because the customer feels this is a pushy salesperson, they're even less likely to buy. The salesperson's numbers go down even more. And then they think they have to try harder. And this is the cycle of a typical slump. And it could be completely alleviated by just a simple reframe. I'm not here to sell as much as I can. I'm here to learn as much as I can. That is so, to your point, counterintuitive. It's, it even, I feel myself get a little tight as I hear, oh, I'm not here to learn. I'm here to sell. I get paid for how much I sell. I am measured upon my self-worth to an extent based upon how much I sell or stack ranked based upon that. That's not true. You're, you're paid based on how your customers buy, not on how you sell. I think that's so cool. And as you think about that for leaders, it, do you look at that any differently or do you give leaders any different feedback or coaching than maybe that individual contributor? As they look at that leadership role? Absolutely. Because based on the things I've been saying today, the last thing a sales leader or a sales coach would want to do is have the salesperson thinking about the training when they're talking to a customer. (laughs) They'll be distracted. The salesperson needs to constantly be mindful, be thinking on their feet be able to react in the moment because you can count on a customer throwing a wrench in the works to any kind of presentation that the salesperson presents because the customer never went to your training. (laughs) So the customer doesn't know what they're supposed to say. So the sales leader needs to teach, to show salespeople how they can learn how to learn from their customers. The the effective sales leaders are really their salesperson's observation coach, helping salespeople gain awareness during that interaction between salesperson and customer to accelerate learning, which accelerates performance. Very cool. I think there is a lot of opportunity in that as I look through the different sales leaders that I've worked with, the ones that I've studied, so much of it is so easily coming back to the tactical process of prospect more, dial the phone more. Mm-hmm. And even if I can reframe that as, yeah, if you pick up the phone more, you get more learning opportunities. You get the ability to improve and to grow mm-hmm. and to then get feedback on that. Yes. about how are we learning it is a really, really profound thought that uh, I think most people haven't been trained on. So I, I can see why, why you guys have uh, your work cut out for you and a lot of value <laughs> that you can bring to the table and yeah. why you've seen sales go 10x yes. when we can work on this inner game. Yeah, yeah. And the customers are a lot happier uh, they have better relationships with the salesperson and the salesperson doesn't get burnt out because they don't have to try so hard. I mean, another way of looking at 
what you're saying a typical sales trainer would do to paraphrase would be saying, I want you to try harder. Did you try this? Did you try? And we're back into trying again, which is the salesperson thinking about their selling performance. Did you do this? Did you do that? And maybe you should do some of this more. When the salesperson is being distracted by the sales trainer, they need to pay the attention to the customer. So one of the important things to do is change the salesperson's orientation, the awareness from outer to inner. And when I say inner, I'm not talking about the salesperson's state of mind. I'm talking about the customer's state of mind. And here's why. The goal of selling is buying. The sales performance is measured by the customer's buying performance. Well, buying performance, we could call decision-making. Decision-making is an inner process. So the inner part of inner gain when it comes to selling is the customer's decision process. Now, salespeople are too outer focused. I'll give you a perfect example. If I talk to a typical salesperson about trust, well, what do you think about trust? Is that important? And they'll say, oh yes, trust is so important. I need to earn the customer's trust. I need them to believe that what I'm saying is true. And that's nice, but that's describing outer trust. So what about inner trust? What about the customer's self-trust in their ability as a decision maker? Now think about this. If a customer doesn't trust themselves to decide if they can trust their salesperson, the salesperson will never get the customer's trust no matter how trustworthy that salesperson can act. So the inner precedes the outer. And the salespeople just need their focus of attention redirected from outer to inner. It's the same thing like if I talked about awareness. We're talking about awareness today, but your typical salesperson would say, oh yeah, awareness. I need the customer to, to know my product's features. That's the awareness. Well, that's outer awareness. What about inner awareness? The customer's self-awareness. Do they know what they need? Do they know what they want? Do they have a clear goal? Is the customer distracted, confused? Are they in touch with any pain? This is what the salespeople really need to focus on because if the customer doesn't know what they need, how will they ever know that the product's features will satisfy that need? So inner awareness comes first. So we need to change the, we need to get salespeople to watch the seams of the ball <laughs> from outer to inner. And, and that's the, the beginning. So, uh, Good sales coach is going to be a good observation coach, redirecting the salesperson's focus from outer to inner. That is so powerful, especially as 
you talked about this concept of the buyer's trust in making the right decision. I think we have seen, at least in my career over the last decade plus in sales, that more and more people move to this purchase by consensus because they don't want to be the individual responsible because so many people have been burned by buying the wrong thing, by getting sold. Mm -hmm. And so they are afraid to make the wrong decision. I just got off of a call earlier today Mm -hmm. with someone that said like, hey, can you please just send me in writing that this price isn't going to change on me into the future because Mm -hmm. I've been stuck in way too many bad contracts. And it was a rather lengthy sales process that Mm -hmm. as I get a chance to reflect on it through this conversation, through that lens of Mm -hmm. their thoughts and how they think about it, it makes sense why the process took quite a while Mm -hmm. because they're afraid to make the wrong decision. Yeah, they have self-doubt. Now, if you're a coach or a sports coach, maybe a tennis coach or a football coach, and the person you're coaching has self-doubt, do you need to address that? That's the first thing you need to handle. Because if if they have self-doubt, it's going to negatively affect their performance. It's the same thing with a buyer. A salesperson is a customer's decision coach. And the salesperson is talking to a customer. If that customer has self-doubt, that's the first thing the salesperson has to deal with, or you're going to get a lower quality decision. For example, uh, you may get an inappropriately conservative decision as the result of the customer's self-doubt. So, completely taking it out of the realm of what can the salesperson, you know, what's the salesperson going to do to look more trustworthy? Uh Uh-uh. It's the customer's mindset that determines the sale. This is so great. Uh, I I wish we had more time, but I want to get a couple last questions in as we wrap up. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious, what daily habits or maybe routines do you practice or do you coach others to practice to be able to perform at their best? Well, first thing, I'm always uh, making sure that people have the right definitions, okay, that they have the right frame. Because we can be very mindful, but it's not going to be much help if we're focused on the wrong thing, okay? So using the example of selling, we have to reframe selling to get salespeople focused on the right thing, which is you're not there to sell. You're there to help the customer make the best decision. You're there to be your customer's decision coach. And what that does is get salespeople to be more clear on where they need to put their attention and and why that's important. So the the definitions we use uh, define the roles that we choose to play. And I constantly find myself uh, reframing and redefining things in a way that are more goal-oriented rather than ego gratification-oriented. That's great. 
What does success mean to you? Success is a feeling. Okay. You feel successful regardless of external circumstances. And you could, I mean, we were a success when we took our first breath. We became very successful. That was the most successful thing we did <laughs> is take the first breath and do our first wham. After that, everything is secondary. And we can enjoy that success anytime we want, our choice. I think that it's, it's counterproductive to feel that we have to manipulate, we need a certain set of circumstances in order to feel successful. Now then, you feel like a failure just because you didn't get all the circumstances that are in your definition. And the whole time, we're a success just the way we are. And that's a success, I, to feel as successful that way. I cannot love that comment anymore. I, I lead a lot of meditations for clients and internally. And the one that I find that people really love is just a simple gratitude meditation. But when I ask people, what are you grateful for? They get so lost in these external circumstances and mm -hmm. forget that they woke up today. They mm -hmm. are breathing and we're breathing through the night and their heart was beating. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. a success in its own right. And so I love your definition of success there. That, that yeah. is really, really fantastic. And yeah. in our control. Well, yeah. I, as we assign conditions to our definition of success, we put more limits on it and close ourselves off from the success that we really are in the first place. That is so fantastic. And lastly, to, to wrap us up here, Jeff, I, I know folks can find you at, find your book on Amazon. We'll link to that in the show notes, Selling to the Point. We can also find you at sellingtothepoint.com. I think mm -hmm. the really interesting piece of your book as well is it's more of the story versus a, right. you know, here's exactly what you have to do, which I, I think is humans we learn better through stories. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll also link to a, a really nice article that, that you posted uh, on LinkedIn about mindfulness for sellers that uh, mm -hmm. I think is just easy to digest and so fantastic. Anywhere else folks can find you or, or how can folks connect with you as well? well you could email me, of course, at jeffrey.lipsius.com. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. I'd love to get in touch with, with anyone. Also, uh, our selling program is listed on Tim Galway's inner game website. So if you went to the inner game.com, uh, you would be able to see the sales leadership and, and sales uh, performance courses that Tim and I offer to uh, company sales forces. But I'd be glad to talk to uh, anybody who wants to have a conversation and explore this, explore this further. This is super fantastic. I cannot thank you enough for sharing your years of wisdom, 
of coming from athletics and mindfulness and really connecting that to how we can perform better and having the data, the stats, the numbers yeah. to back it up so we can continue to focus on our inner game and that buyer's experience and yes. think about how do we focus on the scenes and learn? I, I cannot yes. thank you enough, Jeff. Uh, and until you, next Jordan. time. It's thanks to help from listeners like you. This podcast can continue to grow and help others. If you found anything helpful in today's episode, please take a second, share with a friend and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast today. Thanks. Thanks.